Life Audio. Do you sometimes doubt if you're truly hearing God's voice or if it's really your own? Or have you been in a season where it feels like He's completely silent? Have you been praying for a way to learn how to hear His voice more clearly? Hey friends, I'm Rachel, host of the Hearing Jesus Podcast. If you are ready to grow in your faith and to confidently step into your identity in Christ, then join me as we dig deep into God's Word so you can learn to live out your faith in your everyday life. Hey friends, welcome back to the Hearing Jesus Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Grohl. Today we are in Matthew chapter 22, and I'm reading from the New American Standard Bible. We are almost at the end of Matthew, where we have been doing an introduction to the gospel series, starting with the book of Matthew, and we go through the history, the culture, the background, all the things that might be hard for us to grasp as modern readers. If you'd like to dive a little bit deeper, we do have some options for you. Every day, I create journaling prompts that go along with the episode. There's also a kids episode and family discussion guides. All of those can be found on our Patreon as well as ad-free episodes. The link is in the show notes. So I'm starting at verse one of chapter 22. It says, Jesus spoke to them again in parables saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who held a wedding feast for his son. And he sent his slaves to call those who had been invited to the wedding feast, and they were unwilling to come. Again, he sent other slaves saying, tell those who have been invited, behold, I've prepared my dinner. My oxen and my fattened cattle are all butchered and everything is ready. Come to the wedding feast. But they paid no attention and went their separate ways, one to his own farm, another to his business, and the rest seized his slaves and treated them abusively and then killed them. Now the king was angry, and he sent his armies and destroyed those murderers and set their city on fire. Then he said to his slaves, The wedding feast is ready, but those who were invited were not worthy. So go to the main roads and invite whomever you find there to the wedding feast. Those slaves went out into the streets and gathered together all whom they found, both bad and good, and the wedding hall was filled with dinner guests. But when the king came in to look over the dinner guests, he saw a man there who was not dressed in wedding clothes. And he said to him, Friend, how did you get in here without wedding clothes? And the man was speechless. Then the king said to the servants, tie his hands and feet and throw him into the outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth in that place, for many are called, but few are chosen. So this may at first feel like a really harsh parable, but there's some things going on that I think when we learn them will be helpful to help you understand what's going on. So often in parables, in not just Jesus, Jesus was not the only one that taught in parables. The rabbis would teach in parables as well. But often in parables, the rabbis would compare God to a king, and the setting was often a wedding feast for the king's son. The wedding feasts would be large gatherings, and sometimes if the person that's hosting the feast was wealthy, they would invite the entire city. In the case of a king, he would often invite the entire country. Now, coming to a wedding feast was a time commitment, because in that culture, the feast lasted for seven days. Now, especially if it was hosted by a king, the expectation there would be that the guests would come and stay for all seven days. Now, this wasn't that big of a deal for those that were rich. So if you think about who would be coming in terms of what we talked about yesterday, the wealthy landowners, for them, they were not the ones that were working the land. They were aristocrats. They had money. They had the time in their schedule to go and to be present for all seven days. But if you weren't somebody that had a lot of money, it would be really difficult for you to leave your fields for a whole week. 
but it was an honor to be invited by the king. And they also wouldn't want to upset the king because upsetting the king could have consequences. Declining an invitation to the king could be seen as an insult. There's also this element that's going on in the background as Jesus is telling this story, because for the Jewish people, there was an expectation of a messianic banquet when the kingdom was coming to earth. For the last two parables, Jesus was speaking about and to the religious leaders. And the same is true for this one. They were the audience that he was speaking to when he was saying all of this. So in the story, the invitations go out and both the expected guests and then we see the invitations go to the unexpected guests. There would have been a first invitation and a response. The way that that would have worked is they would have sent out the feelers almost kind of like the save the date cards. And those went out and then typically there would have been a response saying, yes, we're coming. No, we can't come. You know, whatever the response was. And so what was happening was when we see these guests that had refused to come, they were the ones that had already confirmed saying that they were coming and then they refused to attend. That would be like saying yes on an RSVP card and then not actually going to the wedding. Rude. But it's rude not to go in the first place. But to say you would go and then not go because it's the king, it would have not just been seen as an insult, but an act of treason. So there's this escalation in the story where the first invitation is ignored and then the people that are bringing the invitations are killed. And this points back to the story that Jesus told in yesterday's passage. Remember, we talked about how the tenants were killing the servants when, and then the landowner's son when they came to collect on the harvest. That kind of shocking element is a way to help the people that are listening to this story in that time frame. It's to, to get them to think about their own behavior because this is such an exaggeration of what typically would have happened. It was a really extreme case and it would have been shocking to them because that kind of thing just did not happen in their culture. But Jesus is using this as an example of something that's relevant to them to explain this concept. And so he's explaining and drawing this parallel to how they were rejecting God's invitation for relationship that came through Jesus. And then we see this king who is so generous, he extends another invitation instead of punishing them. And the way that it worked at that time was they couldn't always predict exactly when all of that food would be ready. Now, think about this. He was likely inviting the whole city, if not the whole country. So to kind of plan and orchestrate out when all that food would be ready, it was too hard to predict. So then essentially what would happen is the guests would be told when the food's ready, like, okay, it's time to come to the party. And of course, they didn't have refrigeration or anything. So the food had to be eaten quickly or it would go bad. And so this second invitation his, is his appeal saying, okay, and then he goes farther to say, please come. I prepared all this food for you. Come and eat it before it goes to waste. And the poor servants, the ones that were going out to invite the people, they were mistreated and then killed. And that would have been against the law, no matter who it was. But because they were servants of the king, this was another act of treason. The servants, or even if they were slaves of the king, would have had a higher status than most of the free people. And as a messenger of the king, they were his representatives. So overall, in the ancient world, they would hate the mistreatment of the representatives of leadership because it was an honor culture. So even if they disagreed with a king, they would honor him. That was just part of the culture. So seeing this treatment is shocking. And this kind of behavior would essentially be seen like a declaration of a revolt. It was that extreme. And yet the point that Jesus is making is that this was the treatment that 
God's messengers had received. Those were the prophets. And even John the Baptist, we talked a little bit about that yesterday. This is another point that Jesus is reinforcing. And so we see the king who finally brings judgment upon these subjects. And some scholars believe that that is even a prediction of the destruction of Jerusalem and the religious establishment itself. But setting a city on fire, it was the last step in the destruction of a city. And notice he halted the banquet. He halted the wedding feast to do this. That's how upset he was. And then the last resort is the king is redefining who is worthy to attend, and he's inviting the commoners into the party. That parallel is something else that is shocking to the religious leaders, because instead of the privileged few being the ones invited, it's now many of the people that they see unworthy that are invited to this wedding banquet. The servants gathered the bad as well as the good. And that's what he was talking about when he was talking about the wedding clothes, because even those that weren't worthy, meaning they weren't prepared and they had not been doing the good deeds, they are now deemed worthy because the king has invited them in. And the wedding clothes represented faithfulness to the covenant. So to attend a wedding without the appropriate wedding clothes, at least clean clothes, would have been a sign of disrespect. And we've already seen that this guy is nobody to disrespect because he just burned down the city. And it isn't something you would expect, especially because even the peasants who would be now invited, they would have had a set of good clothes that were at least clean for special occasions, and those were different than their work clothes. The work clothes, they would have likely have been dirty and not easily cleaned in time, so they would have changed into their clean set of clothes. Often, especially in situations like this, there would even be clothes provided at the door. If you showed up with the incorrect clothes on, they would give you proper clothes to wear. So some of the people who came, even at this point, were disrespecting the king by not wearing the wedding clothes. That's what the friend represents when he says, friend, why are you not wearing the wedding garment? And so what many scholars believe is that that was a representation of people like Judas, who was a follower of Jesus, but then betrayed him. Because the implication here is that the guests had access to the proper clothes because they would have been given them at the door, but he still refused to wear them. That's likely representing not just people like Judas, but the religious leaders themselves. And so the man that refused to wear those clothes was cast into what says the hour place of weeping and gnashing of teeth. That was a reference to hell. And so the conclusion here, he says, many are invited, but few are chosen. That word many, it actually translates to everyone because everyone is invited to this wedding feast, to a relationship with God through Jesus, but not everyone will accept. The chosen refers to those that accept the invitation, which includes the religious leaders that are just choosing not to accept. And so it says essentially that not all that are called or invited are chosen. Israel was called, but very few in Israel at the time accepted that invitation. By rejecting the invitation to be in a relationship with God through Jesus, they're not chosen to become part of the kingdom of heaven. 
So given that insight, I'm going to go back and reread chapter 22, starting at verse one. It says, Jesus spoke to them again in parables saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who held a wedding feast for his son. And he sent his slaves to call those who had been invited to the wedding feast and they were unwilling to come. Again, he sent other slaves saying to tell those who have been invited, behold, I've prepared my dinner. My oxen and my fattened cattle are all butchered and everything is ready. Come to the wedding feast. But they paid no attention and went their separate ways. One to his own farm, another to his business, and the rest seized his slaves and treated them abusively and then killed them. Now the king was angry and he sent his armies and destroyed those murderers and set their city on fire. Then he said to his slaves, the wedding feast is ready, but those who were invited were not worthy. So go to the main rows and invite whomever you find there to the wedding feast. Those slaves went out into the streets and gathered together all whom they found, both bad and good, and the wedding hall has filled with dinner guests. But when the king came in to look over the dinner guests, he saw a man there who was not dressed in wedding clothes. And he said to him, friend, how did you get in here without wedding clothes? And the man was speechless. Then the king said to the servants, tie his hands and feet and throw him into the outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth in that place for many are called, but few are chosen. Let's pray. God, it's so agonizing to think about the fact that even the people that had access to you chose some choose not to follow you. God, help us to recognize that in our own lives, in the moments that perhaps we are refusing you. God, I would hope that by this point, the people that are listening to this podcast would have made the decision to follow you. But God, in case there's somebody that has not made that decision, would you move upon their hearts even now to take seriously this invitation to relationship with you? God, we recognize the seriousness and the permanency of that decision, that if we don't make that decision, that there is eternal suffering in hell. And and we don't want that. I don't want that for anybody. But God, I pray that even right now, you would convict their hearts in such a way to move them closer to you. God, help us not to have hardened hearts like these religious leaders or even Judas, God, but help our hearts to be softened towards you. And God, we see not just in this scenario, but throughout the scripture, the generosity and the chance after chance after chance that you give us. God, we thank you that you are a God that is merciful. And we pray that we would recognize that mercy and grace in our own lives. In Jesus name we pray. Amen. Okay, friends, real quick, I just want to give you an update. We are 11 children away from our goal. We are trying to sponsor 30 children with compassion by the end of the year. Sponsorship can make the difference in the life of a child. If you'd like more information, you could head to the link in the show notes. But I just want to say, I loved my conversation with Jay. If you haven't had a chance to check it out yet, I would encourage you to do so. But one of the things that I just love so much is when I made the decision to partner with Compassion International, they're actually who the show is, we are tithing every month when the income comes into the show, whether it's through advertising or our Patreon or whether it's sales in the shop or life coaching, whatever it is, there's a tithe that I give. And up until this point, it's gone to various organizations. But I made the decision, I felt the Lord leading me to start giving that tithe to Compassion International. And through that, we have decided to actually partner with them to try to get children sponsored. And we have some other projects that we're going to be doing next year too. But for this end of the year, our drive is to sponsor 30 children. And one of the things that we learned in my interview with Jay, and he was somebody that grew up in the Compassion Program and now speaks on behalf of Compassion to help people understand the difference that the gospel makes in the life of a child. One of the things that he was talking about was being in this Kenyan prison. And, you know, the very first place I ever went on the mission field was to a Kenyan prison. And I remember walking through those doors and just being so shocked that there were children in this prison in Nairobi. 
And yet that's the very experience that Jay talks about. And I can't tell you how much that moved me to think about the fact that I had been in a Kenyan prison and we we purchased the freedom. We paid the fines for the kids that were there and literally purchased their free freedom. And yet that is the exact work that compassion is doing on the field. And it is a testimony of God's faithfulness in Jay's life. And for me, it just shows the fingerprints of God as he's kind of called me into this new partnership. And I want to invite you into that special relationship too. I see the work that compassion is doing on the ground and I know firsthand what that looks like. I know the difference it makes. So I would encourage you to prayerfully consider being part of that. We have 11 more kids that we want to try to get sponsored. You can head to compassion.com forward slash hearing Jesus to pick a child. You can either choose a child in Kenya or you can pick a child maybe that has your same birthday or is the same age as one of your kids. And then also, I want you to recognize that this isn't just a one-time gift that, you know, like at Christmas time, you give a gift and then you forget about it, you know, and the month later, you don't even know if the person you gave the gift to received it or is using it. Instead, what I would encourage you to do is even think about giving a compassion sponsorship as a gift to somebody else, because you will get a relationship with this child where you will get letters. You can even have the opportunity to go and visit them and meet them in person. So I would just ask you to pray about that and also to pray that we would be able to accomplish that goal by the end of the year as an organization, as the podcast continues to grow. It means so much to me that we can make an eternal impact through compassion as we start to serve and give and donate and work with them because that is something that is so close to God's heart. Global orphan care is an issue that will always be close to my heart because it's close to God's heart. So I thank you for prayerfully considering partnering with us with Compassion International. I want to take just a second to thank the team at Life Audio for their partnership with us on the podcast. If you go to lifeaudio.com, you will find dozens of other faith-centered podcasts in their network. They've got shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and more. Hey friends, if this podcast helped encourage, empower, or equip you in your walk with God, I would love it if you would head over to Apple Podcasts and leave me a review. That's the number one way you can support my show. You can also join our free Facebook community or Instagram page where I share inspirational tips, bonus content, resources, and prayer throughout the week. Hey, I want you to know I'm praying for you. Know that you are so loved. Keep going. Keep going.